Welcome to episode 180, Lot's Wife and Daily Bread. I'm your host, Damon Soka. Like many stories contained in the Old Testament, we encounter a strange one with Lot's wife. Now, Lot was the cousin of Abraham, and he, his family, and his wife had settled in a community or a couple of communities that seems to have had its moral issues. For various reasons, Sodom and Gomorrah were deemed sin cities. Now, we have some information about their issues, but ultimately, that isn't where I want to focus. The point of the story is that these twin cities were to be destroyed, and the Lord wanted Lot and his family out of the city. After some delay in getting them to leave, three angels walked them out of the city, and the only rule they were told to observe was, don't look back. We are not told initially what the punishment would be for turning around. However, this is where the story takes its unusual turn. Lot's wife disobeys the angels and looks back towards the city as it is being destroyed. Now, the punishment is quickly enforced and she is turned into a pillar of salt. The punishment doesn't appear to fit the crime because of the lack of information in the story, and so we assume that Lot's wife had intentions that may not have been so good. However, we are not told of her intentions or the why of her turning. We are left to imagine what it might be. Probably not good for human beings to be left with so little understanding about the unusual nature of this story. As I have said countless times in my podcasts, our minds don't like the missing detail, and so we naturally fill in the blanks with what makes sense to us. And that usually gets us into trouble. So that is where we start. There were plenty of good reasons Lot's wife could have looked back. She had children, and likely grandchildren in the city who were being destroyed. She probably had some good friends. She was going to leave a good home and go live in a cave. And maybe she didn't think that with her good reasons, the Lord would invoke the punishment. And who knows? And it really doesn't matter. She looked back to the past, and the Lord had told her to not look back to the past, but to the future and to the present. Later, that same Lord, Jehovah, who would allow her to be turned to salt, would say in very succinct terms during his earthly ministry, remember Lot's wife. Maybe it really wasn't about the reasons. Maybe it was the idea of looking back when we should be focused on the present and the future. The Lord knows our human nature very well, and he understands that it is our nature to look back. And because we are highly attuned to avoiding pain and suffering, we would generally look back and see our mistakes, our lost moments, our pain, and our suffering. He knew our brains would be consistently consistently use our past to predict our future. Now, he knows how the brain works. The problem with the brain is simple. When you use the past to predict the future, then your past becomes your future. This does not lead to progression, but to regression, as our past becomes ever more a part of who we are, and change slowly becomes more difficult. When we live in the past, consistently looking back to the good old days, or when we reminisce about better times and better things, we alter our future. We see our present as bleak and long for better days. When we allow the past into the present, it is extremely easy to follow past habits and patterns. It becomes terribly difficult to see ourselves as gods in embryo. We tend to see ourselves as the byproduct of evolution rather than the creation of heavenly parents. While acknowledging our weaknesses is very important, our weaknesses are not who we are. We are not truly depressed or bipolar or anxiety. All of those weaknesses are temporary, and they are not our true identity. 
We are certainly passing through them, and they through us, but the day will come when they will no longer be a part of our lives. The same is true for every identity that fills the mortal world. We should never identify ourselves with mortal ideas, philosophies, and concepts, because ultimately, like the earth, they will pass away. And if we have made these things our identity, we will lose that portion of our identity when we pass from this earth. Man-made identities may seem very real in this mortal world, and so too are illnesses. But when we pass to the other side, those identities will no longer be relevant. So while we can say that we have an emotional or mental illness, we should not say that an emotional or mental illness is who we are. Yes, they may shape some part of our lives, but they should not become our lives. This is one major reason that we should not look back. When we do, we begin to identify with events, places, people, philosophies of men that should not and do not define us. When we relive painful, embarrassing, humiliating, degrading moments, they become more of a part of who we are, and those experiences are not our identity, and so we should not identify ourselves with them. The past needs to stay in the past. We learn from it and move on to better things. We should remember that when we look back, repentance becomes far more difficult. Change becomes a far greater mountain to climb. We actually lose sight of the Savior. Lost in our mortal world of weakness and failure, we are rather than become. We struggle to see the mercy and grace of the atonement when we look back, unless, of course, we train ourselves to see it. There is simply no value in reliving the past, especially the painful past. Now, I've often likened this to a scar. A scar serves a purpose. It reminds us that the road we once traveled caused us great pain, and we should be far more careful in what we are doing. But the scar is visual. It doesn't carry with it pain or infection or illness. It is a simple reminder of the past. We will carry scars, but the pain, the infection, the suffering should never be relived. We tend to relive the pain and not remember the scar. Looking back can feel like something we must do when mental and emotional illness strikes and the symptoms become very real. We feel the past driven deeply into our heart because we feel those negative, painful emotions in our mind immediately tries to make sense of them. In so doing, it returns to previous painful, dark moments to give us perspective. That's just how the brain works. The brain is so deeply entrenched in its methodologies, it can feel as though we have no choice in the matter but to review all of our painful past. The truth is, actually, we do have some choice in the matter. It is not easy to arrest the brain's methods of madness, but we can recognize what we are doing and attempt to intercede in the process and redirect the brain. No, it's not an easy task, and it takes a great deal of practice and patience. The negative feelings may not fade, but what we do with them can be changed over time. Now, how do we do that? One, we need to work on it. That is a daily process and a struggle, especially when our illness drives us there, drops us off, and leaves us without a ride home. And yes, we're going to fail miserably at times, and yet we get up and try again, working with our minds, saying we have no desire to be there. We may need some help and some coping mechanisms. Now, generally speaking, I have found that my own mind and body tended to create these coping mechanisms. I used media, television, movies, and at times games. It is funny how often I still use these coping mechanisms when depression has its way with me. Now, I'm not saying that these are the best methods, but you might find that you use something similar. Personally, I don't think there's necessarily anything wrong with them. They occupy the mind so it doesn't drift to places it should not go. 
Yes, there are hidden evils in such coping mechanisms, and we need to avoid those evils, but I have found them to be helpful to me at times. We will need coping mechanisms. We need alternatives to looking back. We need to focus on things that help us to avoid what plagued Lot's wife. No doubt, whatever her reasons were, she was thinking about looking back, and her emotions drove her to that place and dropped her off, and then she was stranded, lost, and eventually suffered. Our job with our illness is to find better ways to manage that process. Now, the brain can be trained. It is a frustratingly slow process, but the Lord, in his mercy, can provide help. I have found that if I work on my end to find solutions, the Lord on his end generally can provide them. Sometimes it is a process of elimination, and other times things just fall into place. Now, I cannot provide you with an answer for your individual situation. Our illness exists for many reasons, and this is just one tool of management. But I can tell you that working to stop the processes of returning to the painful past will make your future far more enjoyable. Now, I'm going to abruptly switch subjects, but to a related subject that might be of help to this problem of looking back. There is a unique line in the Lord's Prayer that has always caused me to ponder. It says, give us this day our daily bread. Now, daily bread is a very interesting word. The Lord didn't say, give us our bread. He specifically used daily in his prayer. As short as this prayer is, I believe that every word is probably very important. If we are asking for our daily bread, then that means tomorrow we'll be asking again, and the next day, and the next day. There is something important about praying for daily needs and then watching for them to be answered. Perhaps this has to do with Lot's wife and sticking to the present and not thinking too far into the future or reliving the past. Certainly the Lord wants us to plan our future, but we tend to live in the past and the future and not so much in the present when we struggle with mental illness. The pain of the present forces us into the past or causes us to drift into the future, anywhere but the present. However, if we want to address the illness, we have to do so in the present. I think that the Lord cares very much about our daily mundane needs. Daily bread seems to imply at least a couple of things. One, that the Lord is very concerned about our daily bread, something as simple as bread or our food. He is concerned about the simple daily things in our lives, even the unimportant ones. How often do we talk about those concerns with him, and how often do we talk about them daily with him? Now extend this to our illness. How often do we talk to the Lord daily about our symptoms, our minor and major issues, our concerns, our hopes, our desires, our daily peace of mind and heart? I have more recently learned this lesson. I wish I had learned it much sooner in my life. The Lord is willing to help us with the very small things. One bad moment, one small issue, one moment of pain, one difficult moment with one difficult person, our daily bread. It can be hard to imagine a God that controls the universe wants to deal with my daily issue of depression symptoms and that he wants to deal with it on a daily basis. But I have found that he does. I have found that praying for relief for long periods is not always what he desires. Yes, we should seek out healing, but I have found that the Lord wants to be involved in a daily healing, not just one priesthood blessing. Now, I've struggled far more than I ever should have to learn this lesson. I have struggled to see him as a daily God and Father and not just a weekly, monthly, or yearly God. I don't know how he has time for all of us with all our daily issues, but he seems it seems that he does. Maybe delegates, or maybe he just has that kind of capacity. 
No matter the solution, it appears that daily bread is what he wants from us. Now, I admit to still learning this lesson and still working through the details of it, and maybe that is a lifetime process. I'd always thought of prayer as more like riding a bike, a short learning event, and then maybe some small adjustments. However, it seems that prayer is far more a journey than a destination. It has felt to me more like learning to play the piano. Even when we have mastered one skill, another appears. Sometimes it feels as though we're starting over relearning how to pray, how to get answers more clearly, how to listen, learn, adjust, and try again. And I suppose that is the gospel in its essence, a journey of learning rather than a celestial perfection point in time where we arrive. We journey not always seeing much of the path in front of us at times, moving through those mists of darkness, eventually somewhere reaching the tree of life, and then remaining at the tree when wandering is just so easy to do. What I do know is that our journey is a daily one, especially when we have mental and emotional illness. It almost seems that this is one of the major points of emphasis of our illness, that we are to learn to live daily and ask for that daily bread. Here is where we begin to understand how better to manage our illness. Managing the illness is a long-term process, but it is a daily one. Skipping one day of medications or treatment may not seem to do much, especially when we return to our healthy patterns the next day. However, a few days can cause some serious issues. When we don't focus daily, then we can quickly find ourselves in a very dark and lonely place. If our fight is daily, then it makes sense that we address our daily fight with the Lord. Certainly, we can plan and discuss the future, but the Lord wants to know about the present, and not just the major concerns, but those minor irritations. I have found that when we address the minor issues, many of the major ones never appear. I think that sometimes we are hesitant to discuss such minor issues, thinking that we should be taking care of those things ourselves. And yet the Lord is ever so willing to help us, even if we can address them by ourselves. If we can have the Lord's help, then why would we refuse it? We should be ever more entwined with the Lord's daily bread and his daily help. Maybe in some ways, this is the answer to the problem of looking back. It is one of those daily things where we need some help. As we address it daily, the longer-term problem dissolves away. I recently found that to be true, and I hope that you, too, will find your daily answers and your daily bread from the Lord. Until next week, do your part so that the Lord can do his.